You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Not, not quite my tempo. Here we go. And welcome to The Right Tempo. This is the site manager of SLC Dunk, Michael Lohman. Welcome to the very first episode of our newest semi-daily podcast that is going to be coming from yours truly. Uh, We now have Hoops Nerd, as you've seen from James. That is also, you can catch him on his YouTube channel, Hoops Nerd. We also have SLC Punks, where me and James join forces to combat all of evil and mostly just talk jazz basketball but this is just me going it solo i'll have guests on here from time to time but this is going to be something that i'm rolling out so let's get to the latest jazz news so the first thing that we want that not we me that i want to talk about is the donovan mitchell china controversy so if you didn't catch it it was a little blip uh For some reason, random Chinese NBA fans were bombing Donovan Mitchell's Instagram, which is crazy because it's banned in China. Basically, the story is, uh, in China, somebody had uploaded an Instagram story of Donovan Mitchell where he evidently made it look like he was clowning on Chinese fans who were waiting to get an autograph. Man, I'm just trying to relax and sit on this couch. They just out here chilling. They've been out here since, like, in the morning. That made its rounds on uh, Chinese social media, this Instagram post. And then they said, well, he deleted it now. And now you can't find it. Um, and then uh, you had Chinese fans, like, bombing his Instagram, uh, saying it's like, it's like, either you suck or you're terrible, to even more incendiary, some, some, some of them even racial. It was kind of out of hand. So um, it, got, it got picked up. We picked it up on SLC Dunk. And it was just, it seems so out of character for Donovan Mitchell. And um, one of our writers, Anthony Chang, who's awesome, um, who could provide a lot of clarity on uh, the culture uh, in China of, of being very, uh, as he put it, um, what, what I love in the way he explained it, and I'm going to use, use his words because he collaborated on the story with us. Um, he said, for fans who are not familiar with the Chinese culture, a critical part of it is the concept of nianzi, um, I, I hope I'm saying that right, or face, where you must avoid losing face or causing the loss of face at all times. Denying fans autographs and then putting them on blast publicly on social media is a hu- huge loss of face for all parties, especially when the fans' assumed intent is positive and supportive. Those of us know Donovan Mitchell n- knows this is his way of expressing, wow, I'm not that big of a deal for people to wait in line for hours. However, China... Chinese fans may not be able to read his tone or inflection in a different language. 
And so it seems like one of these things where it's just like, oh, you know, something's lost in cross-cultural uh, communication. And then um, the meaning of the word, like saying the word chill um, can sound like you're saying uh, a racial slur. Um, I think you guys can infer what that one is. And so, um, and this is actually what happened with J.J. Reddick. He just said he was chilling, but then people thought that he was just um, using a racial slur, and so it got blown out of hand. Well, come to find out, uh, the Instagram video that was used to uh, say say that Donovan Mitchell was clowning on uh, Chinese fans actually was from last year, and it was when some businessmen were harassing uh, Tracy McGrady um, when Donovan Mitchell was with Tracy McGrady in China to promote NBA 2K Online 2. And so, um, but they had made it look like it. There were some, and then when I've reviewed reviewed it, I noticed a few discrepancies. One, uh, Donovan Mitchell isn't wearing any Spida gear. He's over there promoting, and evidently in the in the video, it was purported that he was uh, right, but he was waiting for an, uh, another uh, event to start. And so if he's waiting for an event to start, he's probably going to be in game gear. So he's going to have like his Spider-Man uh, logo Adidas stuff and other things. He doesn't. He just has nondescript looking Adidas sweatshirt. The other thing that is a problem is on the same day that they said that this Instagram story was posted and deleted. In the Instagram story, he has uh, he's very clean shaven. No sideburns or anything um, in his pictures that went on his Instagram, he definitely has a sort of a scraggly looking almost beard. It's not really filling out, but it's kind of there. And his and he has his filled out sideburns. And so either Donovan Mitchell has an insane 5 o'clock shadow or 5 a.m. shadow because they're about 12 hours behind us, but, um, well, actually ahead of us. Uh, or um, the, other, the other side of it is it's a fake. And... Evidently, it's a fake. Somebody put that out there to try to dog him, try to take him down. And who knows why? Uh, who knows the reasoning behind it? Uh, because this is obviously the nicest guy in the NBA. And we went through it. This is Donovan Mitchell is the type of guy who goes to local sports games, even high school games, BYU, Utah. He consistently interacts with fans on social media. He showed up to random fans barbecues on 4th of July. He gives away pairs of shoes to young fans every freaking game. He started a charity with his mom called Spidacare for empowering women. Uh, right after he left China, he did a question and answer when he was uh, in Paris, when he was when he like couldn't get to sleep. Um, he footed a bill for a de developmentally disabled man's broken iPhone while waiting in line at the Apple store. Oh, yeah, and he went out of his way to allow his own sister, Jordan Mitchell, to participate in the dunk contest just so she could be able to meet stars. Like, the dude is legit the nicest dude on the planet. And so it's crazy that somebody would 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 post this and try to make this out. And hopefully... Um, who knows if this has reached its way to Chinese social media, that it's all hoax and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, action speaks louder than words, and hopefully uh, people understand that uh, this is fake. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about today is uh, let's talk about that Nigel Williams-Goss uh, signing. Uh, because I think a lot of jazz fans out there I saw on, on Twitter and then also in our comments uh, section on SLC Dunk, people were like, well, there could have been, a, we could have got somebody better. We could have got somebody else. And and I think 
there's a few things when we're talking about backfilling the roster because that's what Utah is doing. Uh, Tony Jones even said that the Utah Jazz have held off on signing Ed Davis, Emmanuel Moutier, and uh, Jeff Green. Not that they're not going to sign them, but they're just backfilling the roster before they make those moves in just so that they can make sure everything's taken care of and they have a nice bow on their offseason. Um, and he also said there would be one to two more signings. And hey, Nigel William Goss, that sounds like one of those signings. So, um, so when we think about this, and you're talking, we're talking 13th man, uh, 14th man, and 15th man at this point. When you are arguing vitriolically about your 13th, 14th, and 15th be- uh, best man on the roster, uh, you got yourself a damn good team. So if you're sitting there being like, we could have got so we better, this is first of all, chill. It's the 13th, 14th, 15th man. If there's heavy injuries, they're going to see time. But here's the thing. There is such a minute difference between who's available now and Nigel Williams-Goss. If you're going to lose, you're still going to lose. And you're still going to need to rely on your star power to power you through games. So that's the the first thing. Second thing. um, About this time every year, and then when we get into training camp, there's some guy that people... um, get signed that people are like, this is ridiculous. Don't they understand that so-and-so's on the free market and we can get him and da 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 Well, um, remember Joe Ingles? Remember Royce O'Neal? Remember George Niang? All of this kind of ringing a bell there. These are guys who are undervalued that the Utah Jazz uh, scouting department did a really bang-up job finding and said, hey, these guys, if we put the right work into it, they can be great. The other thing is the Utah Jazz were in danger of losing, um, uh, not in danger of losing uh, William Goss's rights, but it, he was wanting to come back to the states, and I'm guessing his agent was like, "Well, if you're not going to sign us, we're gonna we're gonna try to ask for a trade and find a team that will will, will take us." So Utah Jazz signed him to a three-year deal. I'm guessing the first year is guaranteed, and the next two years are um, non-guaranteed team option. And then that allows Utah to develop him. And remember how Utah is kind of good at this development thing, and I trust them to be able to build Nigel Williams-Goss into a great player. The other great thing is, while he's been in Europe, before he went to Europe, he was not—he was shooting his best uh, three-point shooting season was 35%. While he's been in Europe, he shot 40% or better from three. The other thing, too, is he's a big guard. If you notice that, uh, basically the smallest guy on the Utah Jazz's roster now is Mike Conley, and he's really good, and he's figured out a way around uh, that his his size mismatch, but he also has great length. Nigel Williams Goss, he's about six foot four. He has a six foot seven wingspan. Remind you of somebody, Dante Exum like. Uh, it seems like the Utah Jazz are really targeting um, a really good, uh, I would say, potential players who can play good perimeter defense. Because as they're a bit weaker on their front court, as they've let Derek Favors go, and now they only have Ed Davis and Rudy Gobert, who are going to be protecting the paint, they're really going to need these guys to be able to, who can defend their position. And so while Nigel Williams-Goss, hey, he's, I'm, we miss Howell Neto. Howell Neto couldn't play in all situations because he was in an extreme size mismatch. He was listed at six foot. We know that that was probably a slight exaggeration. Um, and the Utah, and he's looking for probably a little bit more money, which he was able to get in Philadelphia. So this this is a good opportunity for Utah to be able to have that size. And when they were, when they started to, 
when you have your you know your insurance policy, Nigel Williams got this insurance policy. If injuries hit and he's having to come into the game, you don't want to have to look at the situation. You want him to just be able to play. And with Helen Neto, when their point guard core had just been decimated, remember back in January and December, we lost, uh, we were down Ricky Rubio, Dante Exum, and uh, and, and then it was Helen Neto who was in and out of the lineup. He was having trouble staying healthy because he was getting knocked around because of his size. Um, the other thing, too, is when he was healthy, Utah Jazz would opt in most situations to play Donovan Mitchell starting because they're like, eh, uh, if we play Hal Neto against this much bigger guy like a Russell Westbrook, like a, um, uh, who else, um, like a even a, a Gary Harris or a, or even he's even small against Chris Paul, um, it, it, he was at a, he was at a disadvantage. Even to Patrick Beverly, he's at a disadvantage. To to most point guards, he's at Damian Lillard. He's at a big disadvantage. So this allows Utah to have a guy who can at least size wise be able to hang with them, and he's he can go out there and and not be too bad. While he was in Olympiacos um, last year, he was uh, he averaged eleven point three points, four point six assists, two point five rebounds a game, and that's while playing twenty five minutes a game. So he has the potential. Um, now. We're really breaking it down and kind of getting a, a little deep here. But the point of this is, is it's his potential. He's probably going to spend a good amount of time with the Salt Lake City Stars. He's going to go in Utah's system. He's probably going to get a, a year of peppering if the Jazz have injury woes. He's able to slot in, but that's the only time he's going to see time is if Utah gets hit with a rash of injuries. Otherwise, he's going to ride the pine. Simple as that. And so as we get deeper into the offseason, we do should not worry about getting bent out of shape because Utah's looking at players who they say, hey, if we put him in our development system, like Emmanuel Moutier, will he turn out to be good? Will will we find some a, a diamond in the rough on this? And and hopefully yes. Um so far they've been they've been really good. Um every every season. Uh, not every season, but if you're if you've been able to find a diamond in the rough three out of the last six seasons like 50% of the time, you know some random non-drafted guy or second rounder who's played his way out of the NBA, can you can bring him back and get him to Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, George Niang level? Uh, you're going to do that. You're going to do that a lot. And that's the strength of the Utah Jazz, so we shouldn't get bent out of shape over that. So um, that's uh, that's exciting to see with, with him coming around. Now, the biggest news, though, uh, is... The Houston Rockets on SportsCenter, the NBA stealing all the headlines again. Our man Adrian Wojnarowski reporting Russell Westbrook on his way to Houston. The Thunder agreeing to trade the eight-time All-Star to the Rockets for Chris Paul. Two first-round picks and two first-round pick swaps. The Thunder GM Sam Presti worked with Westbrook and his agent to move the former MVP to his preferred destination, and that's a reunion with James Harden. The Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder basically did a white elephant gifting party where Russell Westbrook went to the Houston Rockets and Chris Paul went to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So first of all, the Russell Westbrook, Katie, James Harden era is finally finished. That's 11 years. It's insane to think that they had three MVPs on that roster and somehow never won an NBA championship. Never 
never got to there. And they even had another all-star in Victor Oladipo who went his went his way. And it's when you taking stock of this whole era, a Sam Presti. So in that deal, Sam Presti from trading Paul George and now Chris Paul, he has a ton of assets. I think it was eight additional draft picks in addition to the draft picks that the Oklahoma City Thunder have. That's 13 over the next five years. So we've learned something about Sam Presti is uh, when they do tank, he's really good at finding talent. Um, backfilling talent, he's he was a uh, hit or miss. He was able to get Steven Adams, Andre Roberson. Um, he was able to get Serge Ibaka. Uh, they missed on Jeff Green, but I mean, when you... I think you can let it slide because he drafted three MVPs. So I think the the thing in the NBA w- that we're going to look at that is even if you have the team that can beat it all, it's the timing of that team when they're rising. Um, if you have a good thing, uh, w- looking back, we're all saying, man, they should have never traded James Harden. They should have kept that team together. But that's not what a lot of people were saying at that time. Um, it was about half and half. It's not discounted. Like a lot of people were like, they should keep that team together. But when you start hitting your glass ceiling, people start being like, man, we need to make some moves. We need to bring in some veterans. We need to shake it up. And I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are, are, are a great example of sometimes you need to keep things together. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, we saw the Utah Jazz last year. They had that continuity. And... Um, you know, complacency set in, and they had one more win, but at the same time, it didn't feel like there was the same urgency at certain parts of the season, especially the first part, and then they had to make their same climb. Um, it played a tough schedule, but we saw in the in in the playoffs when they played the Oklahoma City Thunder that they could play and, and match uh, really good teams. So um, you see other teams who are hoping that if they, with their continuity this next year that they can take teams by surprise, like the Portland Trailblazers, who their only addition is Sasan Whiteside. And then you look at uh, the Denver Nuggets, and you know the Denver Nuggets are you know only bringing. Uh, I'm I'm spacing on their 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 one move um, that I should remember their only move, but point being is they're trying to keep their teams together and really have this thing uh, turn out well. So uh, it, it can it can fade. As far as Houston Rockets, I have no idea what the hell they're doing because they like efficient players. Uh, Russell Westbrook is not an efficient player whatsoever, um, and he's not a young guy where you're like, he's going to really start to figure out his game and pick his spots. He's, he's on the wrong side of 30. And, and I say that being 34. So what is what is uh, Houston doing? Well, I, I think at this point they're trying to stay relevant. The, the Western Conference arms race has been insane with what the Utah Jazz are doing, what the Clippers are doing, what the Lakers are doing. Um, now you, And you have Denver, you have Portland, and then you have the New Orleans Pelicans who could actually be um, a really good playoff team. Um, you have the Dallas Mavericks, who basically did their free agency at the trade deadline. There's there's a lot that is going on in the West. And so I think this was a thing where they're like, well, we already know our ceiling with Chris Paul, and it's just going to dive. We might as well just see what we can find with Russell Westbrook. If we can fix it, it cool. If we can't, maybe we can flip, in, flip him and get some, some other assets, which 
I don't know if anybody would because his contract is so 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 gnarly. Um, and it's crazy. But at the same time, I remember when they got Chris Paul and I was like, I don't know, you want James Harden to have the ball and I'm not sure if he's the right guy. You want to have shooters and blah, blah, blah. And that Chris Paul, uh, James Harden uh, pairing was great. It was it was death to the Utah Jazz and it almost spelled disaster for the Golden State Warriors um, had Chris Paul not got hurt and started his decline. So I... I have no idea what they're doing, and I'm not. And the crazy thing is, I'm not sure if Houston's done dealing um, to make these pieces fit a little bit better. So there, right now, I still see Houston right in the whole pecking order of the West. I see Houston as the fifth seed, which is crazy uh, to say that about a team that was so good last year and the year prior. Um, but we'll see. I, we can be saying all these things like, I'm super hyped about the Utah Jazz and all the moves they made this offseason, but th- there's a reason you play the games. We could be sitting here and be like, oh, man, we thought we had a championship team in, in, in July. Uh, we All you have to do is look at the Lakers last year where you had Lakers fans getting all puffy chesty, and then one injury can, can change the entire season. So should be interesting. I don't like it for either. Uh, I don't like it for the Houston Rockets. I think the... I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to turn Chris Paul again. Uh, I, I find it hilarious that they're Laker fans being like, they're going to buy him out. Bros, they held on to Carmelo Anthony and had him sit out for uh, for about a month before they traded him. They ain't trading him. And they're not, no one's, you think a small market team is going to want to negotiate a buyout that could be f- over $50 million? Um, for a guy who's never going to play, nah, that's that. That's not in their payroll interest. They've been they they've been cutting off their right arm just to get below the luxury tax. They ain't they ain't they ain't going to try to buy Chris Paul out. So, um, and that leads us to our last thing. So Tony Jones was reporting that the Utah Jazz are looking at playing Dante Exum a lot more on the wing. Which is crazy, but at the same time not because you look at him and he's not six foot six. He's much taller than that, um, though he still lists as six foot six with the Utah Jazz. He looks more like a wing. He plays like a wing. He slashes like a wing, um, and I think it's a great move because he could be a Ronnie Brewer 2.0. And if he's playing on the wing, that gives you additional playmaking and his best season. So if you look at the Utah Jazz, uh, not his best season, but his best time was last December when he was playing around a ton of shooters when you had um, when you had uh, him out there with Kyle Korver, Joe Ingles, Jay Crowder, and then Derek Favors was at center. And this year, if he's coming off the bench and playing at a wing position, then you're going to have him with a lot of shooters because if, if that's the case, you might be seeing the Utah Jazz, the first, first substitution, is you're sliding Donovan Mitchell to the one, and then you're bringing in Royce O'Neal, you have Joe Ingles, um, if Joe Ingles out there, or Bogdanovich might be moving to the to the four, and then you have Dante Exum at the two or the three, depending on what's going on, and then you have Joe, Joe Ingles out there. And Joe Ing- and what's so fun about this is Joe Ingles is most likely coming off the bench because Jeff Green is going to be at the four. And so you might have this cool thing where you have Dante Exum, Joe Ingles, Bohan Bogdanovich, and Donovan Mitchell out there with Ed Davis, Rudy Gobert at the five, and then all of a sudden, you're kind of recreating 
what that Kyle Korver, Joe Ingles spacing did. And Dante Exum, when he was healthy, just punished teams. He was getting to the rim at will, like nonstop getting to the rim. And that's exciting. During that time when he was, when he had his little mini renaissance before injuries took hold, uh, um, it wasn't that bad like his per his per 36 during that time was uh he was averaging 19 points and seven and a half assists and four rebounds and then a, a, almost a couple steals um he was only playing about 15 uh, 15 and a half minutes but they were just hyper effective um the other thing is he had a net rating of 10.3 uh his offensive rating was 109.7 defense rating 99.3 he was good and he had a great assist to turnover ratio of 3.07 it was awesome it was working and most importantly his effective field goal percentage was 56 percent 56 percent he was getting to the rim at will and he was shooting 35 percent from three so he wasn't doing too bad either because teams were having to decide to lay off of him because he's getting to the rim so much he took advantage so the question will be, can he get back to that pre-injury state? I feel like we. this is a question we say every single year. Can Dante Exum get right back to where he was? If he does, he's going to flourish in those lineups. Because as we've been saying and talking about how much Donovan Mitchell is going to enjoy spacing and how much uh, Rudy Gobert is going to enjoy that spacing in the, in the paint, Dante Exum is another guy who's going to finally get to feast. Because he's a dude who can get to the rim at will. But unfortunately, the Utah Jazz have had to deal with everybody camping at the rim because they haven't had spacing. And Dante Exum has been out there with lineups where you have Royce O'Neal, who's not at the beginning of the season was up and down. But now it looks like he's stable. But he's been out there with lineups where you have Jay Crowder, who's 30, shooting 33% versus the Bohung Badanovich, who's shooting above 40% on catch-and-shoot opportunities. So that's a big jump. Um and then you have, uh, so then Joe Ingles is going to be coming off the bench. That's that's nice. That's going to be really nice for Dante. The Aussies coming off the bench. And I shouldn't say he's going to. We're, we're, we're kind of anticipating that they're going to want to, as Joe Ingles gets older, to come off the bench to save him. Because looking at last season, he looked gassed. So I think it's all good. I think it's great. So uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I, I just wish... Utah Jazz season could start right now. There's very few off seasons where I'm like, man, let's start the season right now. Uh, but I really, I can't wait. I can't wait for the season to start. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. So thank you for listening to the very first episode of The Right Tempo. Of course, subscribe to the SLC Dunk Podcast Network. Um, hit us up. Uh, I shouldn't say podcast network. It's like the SLC Dunk channel, whatever. We have a ton of podcasts on here. So you can subscribe to us on uh, on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever podcasts, uh, wherever you're listening to podcasts, you can subscribe to this. Subscribe so you can get a push notification to let you know that you're hearing jazz basketball stuff. So you guys all have a good one. Peace out, y'all.